Today's episode of the Hidden Figures podcast is brought to you by Nubian Skin. Nubian Skin is a lingerie, hosiery and intimates brand for women of colour. Frustrated by the lack of suitable nude lingerie and hosiery to match her skin tone, Ade Hassan decided it was time for a different kind of nude. So for all you beautiful women, next time you need something in your nude, head to nubianskin.com and enter the code HIDDENFIGURES in all caps for 10% off your purchase. This code is valid for all products and the offer ends at midnight on the 30th of June. Good evening, welcome to the Hidden Figures podcast. Um, so this is the first, the very first um, podcast. podcast. Um, and the purpose of this podcast is basically to have a, a conversation between millennials and the older generation um, of black British people or, bla- or black people who've made success in the UK and just asking them about their experiences, their life, their life journeys, how they've got to where they are, and also for some advice and for some feedback back to millennials. Um, so my name's Damini. Um, I currently work for a public sector organisation. I do equal pay audits, um, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So I've got a couple of businesses that I'm working on that you'll all probably find out more about as time goes on. Um, but that's myself. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Kezia. Hello. So I'm Kezia. Kezia Nyang. I don't know whether I should introduce myself and might say my second name. But yeah, I'm a blogger, vlogger. And yes, I'm quite interested in learning more about, you know, people who have been successful are also on their journey. And, you know, as a woman, you know, who's also in like the creative industry, I love talking with other women, also women who have a lot of experience and, you know, just finding more about them because I find it so inspirational for me to see other people who have accomplished or still kind of like on their journey. So I'm excited for us to like kickstart this podcast. Um, So today... We have a very exciting guest. Yep. And Damini, would you like to do the introduction? Yes, yeah, so we've got our first <laughs> guest today, um, a woman called Michelle Levi. Levy. Levy, sorry. Michelle, Hi, Michelle. Levy. Hello. Um, who is our first guest, so really excited. Um, so actually, Michelle, if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself and let, let our guests know what sure. it is that you do and sure. who first, you are? First, I want to say thank you for inviting me and having me. I thank think you that for coming. <laughs> this whole concept is, is a fantastic concept and much needed in the community. So thank you <clears throat> for allowing me to be a part of it. So, you know, oftentimes when they ask what you do, what well, my answer is, well, how do I spend my time? I predominantly, I spend my time as an angel investor. Um, I do philanthropic work. I give up my time and support charity organizations. I am also a mother and a wife. Um, so I, I am actually quite busy. And like, you, like yourself, I have other things that are of interest in other business endeavors as well. So that's a brief overview. I think we touched briefly on this, but could you explain what an angel investor is? Well, um, to be an angel investor, as, as defined by regulators, you have to have a certain it's either a cer- be above a certain income level threshold yes. or to have a certain net worth um, to be able to invest in, in opportunities and understand what you're investing in. Um, so, for example, I, I have a syndicate of investors, like-minded people, and we look yeah. at opportunities as a, as a team of people that come up um, and we assess, analyze, and make decisions um, in terms of what we want to invest in, mm-hmm. because it's a part of it's about coming together and building our personal wealth, yeah, and also <clears throat> having disposable 
uh, cash to be able to then invest in the community as well. Right. So, yeah, that's 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 it in a nutshell. It's you know investing in whether it's uh, startup biotech companies, um, individuals who might need you know small businesses, um, investing we invest in real estate. Um, you know, a, a whole so host a variety of, of different yeah. like sectors and That's things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's amazing. Sounds so, very interesting. So, um, just backtracking now, we want to find out. So, you grew up in Puerto Rico. No, well, I believe I, you did. My roots are yeah, uh, you're Puerto American, African American. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I was born and raised in upstate New York. Um, okay. Sorry for, for for the London audience. So what it's not New York mean? City. Okay. It's further upstate uh, near um, Toronto. Okay. Um, so is that like, like Buffalo, New York? Yes, Buffalo, so? okay, Rochester, yeah. New York. To be yeah. pres- if you're if you're familiar with geographically. Sorry, I've never been to New York, York, but I plan on visiting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's where I was born and raised, and uh, so my mother's side is Puerto Rican, and I was mm-hmm. I was raised by that side of the family. Yeah. Um, my father was African American. He died when I was about five years old. So okay. my mother was a single mother, young mother, um, and so my grandparents helped out a lot. So I was raised by them. Yeah. For the most part. Um, and yeah, and, I, and at the same time, I would spend my summers down south mm-hmm. with with my black side of the family. Yeah. Okay. And, and so uh, Catholic in the Puerto Rican side, mm-hmm. Baptist in the black side. Yeah. Okay. And then to, to bring in a third world, um, by the time I was 11, I had an opportunity to board with um, a white middle class family to go to a better school. Right. And uh so then in that household, I w- went to a Protestant church yeah. on okay. Sundays. So it was a very interesting existence into three different worlds and yeah. three different perspectives. Yes. Um, and, and one of the things that I found um, very interesting was that the values were the same. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, we went to church, we prayed together, we, we sat together as a family. Yeah. The values were the same. You have to work hard. Yeah. You know, you have to work hard for yourself and to help others around you. So it was those were the things that I saw that you know, actually connects all of us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So that, that was the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going <clears> to say that must've like helped shape like your perspective and you know, how Definitely. you approach things in life. And um, what were some of the things that you loved growing up, like loved about growing up in, like back in New York? Like what are some of the things um, that you loved even with the different, you know, family dynamics and things like that? I think um, having, Living in three different worlds, yeah, for me was. I mean, it was think think about it as a. You know, life was never boring. First yeah, of all, yeah. Right? yeah. I would spend my weekends and go see my mother and mm-hmm. that side of my family. During the week, I was with you know um, the boarding family, yeah. and over the summers, I was with my with my great grandparents on their farm. Yeah, and my grandmother down there. Um, so it was it was, you know, it was never boring. It was very interesting, but also you know very different worlds, and you grow up. In one world, with my mother's side, mm-hmm. you know, my grandparents immigrated from Puerto Rico for a better yeah. life, so they didn't speak English. Yeah. Um, they had it very, very difficult when they first started coming from a beautiful Caribbean place with sunshine, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> lovely lifestyle and quality of life to this bitter, yeah. you think snow here, 10 centimeters is something. <laughs> We're talking, you know, imagine. four feet of snow, snow yeah. blizzard, two to four feet of snow, blizzards, and they're not used to that, didn't have yes. clothes. Yeah. So yeah. all of that, you know, so. So did they move to New York then? Yeah, upstate okay. New York. They okay. went to New York, they went to New York City first and did mm-hmm. not like it. Okay. And then they just kept going further north. Okay. 
Um, and so there was that part where my, my, gra- my grandmother refused to speak English. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she called me Mikael instead of Michelle because we, we only spoke Spanish yeah. in the house. Um, and they, you know, they came from a very, as I said, quality of life. But, yes. you know, the, 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 the economy was, was, you know, going down the tube. So they moved. Mm-hmm. And to see them and the values, again, of working hard. My grandparents never took a dime from from the government it was about you know you have to work hard and earn your way earn your keep everybody had to do their part Mm -hmm. you know in the family and my aunts and uncles all went out to try and 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 contribute and to work and and to you know educate themselves did you have a lot of family in new york before you moved there like other relatives that lived there no no, so that was like the first they were the first yes and they had nine children Wow. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. But then that's great because yeah. you, you, that's a... Uh... But that's a side. The thing is that they came from their culture, yes. their language, yeah. their music. Their, yes. Right. So when I'm, so the difference, we're talking about the difference. So, you know, the black side of my family, mm-hmm. as you know, from slavery, you know, we were absolutely cut off from all of that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and... And so that's where there was a big difference I saw as I was going to college and, you know, and friends and things. And my my friends who came from from Jamaica, for example, those they tended to I ended up my closest friends were from from the Caribbean Mm -hmm. Um, and they were very confident. They knew who they were. Mm. They knew where they came from. They had their own, you know, Mm. and and, and those of us in the States. Yes, it was a struggle. Yeah. And you can see over time how it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um Th- that's one area that I saw was very different is, yeah. you know, is trying to build the confidence yeah. when you when you don't know where you're from. from yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's very profound. Yeah, definitely. And, and so I kind of leaned on the, the Puerto Rican side for that. Yes. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yes. 100%. But this, the values were the same in every single, you know, my, the, the second family, they the um, I called him dad because he ended up being like a second father and my mentor and I learned mm-hmm. so much from him is, it, is, is that is the family you boarded with? yeah the, white, yeah. the family I boarded with yes so, so he taught me go ahead sorry what, so what's the process of that like boarding like like to me I, I'm trying to understand like in those, for those people who don't understand yeah. what boarding is like okay, how well does it, that go that it's sorry. not like here it would just yeah. have to be a family that knew my mother yes okay. and I had a teacher yeah who, Mrs. Merriweather, from a young age, said, you know, you're bright. If you can leave this school, I went to Martin Luther King Jr. School. Uh, it was a, you know, that was a school, but it wasn't challenging me. So yes. when, when the, just through a, a, a relationship yeah. and getting to know this family, and yes. they just said, you know what, it was mm-hmm. my choice, really. Yeah. If, if you'd like to, you know, we think you could do well in our school. Would you like to yes. come? And, and my mother okay. left it up to me. So at the age of 11, I made the choice because Mrs. Merriweather had told me like two years prior to that, if you ever get a chance to get to a better school, you should take it. So is, w- w- was this family, st- is this all still in New York? Like 45 state? minutes south in the suburbs okay. of, of okay. the city. Okay. So I was going okay. to, you know, what you would call a state school. Okay. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was a state school. And, mm-hmm. and so it was an opportunity to go you know, to suburban school that had a lot of money, a lot of resources. Oh, yeah. It was still a state school, but it was a phenomenal place, yes. you know. Um, and so that then al- allowed me to then be able to apply to better universities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you build your confidence, solid education, you know, it all kind of. But then it's, it's having the, this mentor who, you know, taught me about, you know, goal planning and, and and financial fitness yeah. and you know 
you know, helping to build the confidence and, and, and think strategically and analytically mm -hmm. and, and looking at how do you build your wealth so you can then, you know, when you're at a later stage in life, you can actually invest in your community as well because yeah. as Christians, that's our obligation, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so he, you know, I, m my father passed away when I was five. I had my grandfather, but then, 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 then dad came along mm -hmm. and, you know, and it was, you know, it was just such a blessing. Really. So if if you don't mind me asking, uh, and I don't want to be presumptuous, yeah. the area that you lived in with your with your family and your your mother and yeah. the Puerto Rican family, and then when you moved to the suburbs, was it was was there different like ethnic mix up or anything? Oh yeah, like, I'm, I'm in middle class white America. Yeah, in a village. So, so so what was what was that like? Kind of going from um, being being the norm to now being you the know, only black woman. It was a lot of green space. I could ride mm -hmm. my bike anywhere. I can go ride and sit by this creek and under a tree and read a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and and that was uh, was a lovely place, mm -hmm. but. As I got older and I was in high school, then it got to be very challenging. How because so? what were some of the challenges mm -hmm. you um, faced? Because you you know you realize at that time, the only images that white people had of people of color yeah. were extremely negative. Mm. Yeah. Right. So they had this assumption and perspective mm. Mm -hmm. about me, um, that was completely off. Yes. Yeah. But so you're starting, you're, you're, you're dealing with that from the first. Mm -hmm. You know that you're never, ever going to fit in. Right? Yeah. I don't look like you. I don't think like you. Mm. You know, I know that I came here for a purpose. Yes. And I'm sticking to that plan. Yeah. But you're dealing with people who have perspectives of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you. I had to spend a lot of time schooling people not to use certain language around me and, mm -hmm. and tell so certain jokes. So people ever, like, overtly racist to you, like, just straight yeah, off? Not, not a lot of people, but yes. There yeah. were, like, every year, there's, like, a handful of incidents that yeah. would occur, for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my my revenge was my success. Yeah. yeah. And um, would you being top of my class <laughs> to show them, no, you are not smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, running circles around them out in the field playing soccer. No, you are not faster than me. Yeah. You know, those things. And that yeah. kind of just gave me motivation. Yes, motivation to, to, yeah. And would you always say from a young age you were driven? Yes. Or do you feel like it's something that you developed through, you know, the years? Well, I think you have people who influence you. Like Mrs. Merriweather, just mm. she mm. planted that seed in yeah. me. Mm. She made me see myself as someone with potential. Yeah. Mm. Right? Then you have the people around you working hard. You know, our my heroes were my family members. I saw yeah. them working, my grandpa, you know. And 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 so the work ethic was instilled by the you know yeah, it's, you're you're a product of that the environment that right? yeah very the, true the influence around you so it's a combination of of all of that I think um, and knowing that you know I'm leaving my family which in a Puerto Rican household you raise your kids until they're at least twenty five they yes. don't leave <laughs> <Okay>. my grandmother <laughs> was like furious <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was very painful to yeah. leave mm. right it must have so been scary. I had to, it was scary and my grandfather brought me there and he said to to my dad he's like you see how I'm bringing her I want her back exactly the same way he yeah. delivered me to the man and said you better bring her back to me the same way so I had an obligation to them to stay the course yes right yeah. I wanted them to, to see that it was the right decision and to yes. be proud of me. Yeah. And so I always thought about them when yeah. I was making Made my choices and my decisions and, and those kinds of things. And, and I relied on my faith a lot. And thank God that everywhere I went, you know, the religion, the name of the religion was different, but the faith was the same. Right? Yeah. Um, are so you was still religious, would you say? You yeah. Are, mm -hmm. yeah. And you're Christian. Yeah, 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 I'm Catholic. Catholic, yeah. And how much of that does, would you say that, play, how much of a part does that play in your life? 
Well, I mean, it, your Christian values stay with you, right? Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, you know, your brother's keeper. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, developing your own sense of integrity based on your own moral compass. So, yeah. and that's formulated from the faith that you've, yeah, you know, and to me, it doesn't matter what religion anybody is. I think we still connect on those same values, right? Yeah. So, y- yes, I'm Catholic. It's what I, what I was raised in, what I'm comfortable in, but, you know, I can go to Protestant service and yeah. enjoy that i can yes. go to baptist service and enjoy it. whatever you know it's connecting you know with that higher power whatever it is for people okay. right um but yeah it does it does you know you you it, it's it's what formulates as i said your moral compass and you yeah. you're, you're always striving to try and be you know a better self mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so you do you know you're always that's why you go to church regularly to remind yourself this is what I'm supposed to be doing, yes. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. It strengthens up. you and nurtures yeah. you and that spirit to keep you going mm-hmm. and gives you guidance and direction, you know? Okay. So, um, so what I wanted to ask next was, um, like I said, I, I work in, like I do a lot of equality and diversity stuff, mm-hmm. particularly looking at gender pay gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big reasons for the gender pay gap is that there's not a lot of women in... Um, what they call STEM subjects, science, right. technology, engineering, maths. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that your first job was vo- working um, in a lab as a lab technician, effectively. I, yeah. I think the job title is histologist, but yeah. I, I don't quite know what that means. Yeah. So okay. let me just call it a lab technician. Okay. But, um, I'm just curious, like, wh- what made you go into that into into that world, especially knowing it's such a male-dominated world? Well, it's an interesting in question because my 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 mentor, he was an engineer, and then he went out to get his MBA. Okay. And so in his in his mind, that was the formula for success. Yeah. Okay. So even though my true, true passion was music and dancing. Oh, interesting. Um, I had a whole family to worry about. Yeah. And, and to look, you know, my success couldn't just be for me. So yeah, I had to think about that. Permanent. Yeah. So I just kind of put that in a box and listened to my mentor who said that's the formula. So. I knew I liked math and science, so I went to school for engineering first. Okay. Right? And uh, so I went to school for biomedical engineering for three years. Yeah. And then realized, I thought, you know what, I'm not quite liking this. So then I volunteered in mm-hmm. the A&E department. Did they, do I want to do medicine? No, I don't quite want to do medicine. And then what I realized that interested me was the delivery of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, so what I realized was, okay, I don't really want to be an engineer because I think it's very difficult to know at 18 what you want to do. You have to kind of look at what options are presented to you, explore them to kind of figure out what's really interesting. So I I started as an engineer, decided I I really disliked it, transferred into biology, Mm -hmm. and that's how I ended up um, going into histology. And histology is actually the study of tissue. And as a histologist... You, you work in a hospital um, near where surgical procedures are done, typically, um, or, or you know, near enough so that they're delivering specimen that are, re- that are removed during surgical procedures. And so as a histologist, you have to treat the tissue, preserve it, and create slides to help diagnose what's wrong with the patient. Okay. Right. So that's, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's a very lot of specific. Technical yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so... To, so I ended up, because I decided after three years, you know, university is four years in the States. Yeah. Um, if I was going to transfer, then I was going to have to pay for it. You know, I didn't want to incur any more debt yeah. after that. So I worked full-time job and a part-time night job in a hospital. 
and paid for school for another three years. Oh, wow. And while I was doing, so this was while I was doing the histology. Yeah. And then, um, so at the same time, positioning myself to become a manager in a lab yeah. while I was finishing my degree so mm-hmm. that I could have a couple of years experience managing mm-hmm. and then move on to get my MBA. And my so the MBA was always the goal then? Yeah, well, and what my mentor said, you always need to have your goal in, in mind. Figure out what your goal is. So my goal was to be um, a CEO of, of a health system okay. and... Uh, you know, or manage my own health system of some sort. That mm-hmm. was my goal because I was yeah. interested in the delivery of care, efficiency of operations, and that's what caught my attention. So that's yeah. kind of set that as my long-term goal. So I kept, and, and what he said was, so then it kind of helps guide your decisions and what you're making, in, you know, right. as you're going along your career path. So that's why I said, okay, this histology thing is really cool and interesting and very unique. Not a lot of people like out there doing this. Let me be really, really good at it. Yes. Yes. And then... I can go, you know, Take so it, it helped me kind of figure out my path. Got yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really important to kind of perfect your craft. Or perf- if you see something, you're basically saying like it's good to kind of like master it and try to improve and better yourself at it. Yeah, well, I think, so it's two things. Having that target, yeah. that's that, that, that drives you and keeps you in the straight, going in the right direction. But the other thing is that, you know, for me as a, as a, as a woman of color, it, in anything that I needed to compete in, I, I knew that I had to I had to be really good at it yeah. Yeah. to be given those opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So that's why when I went to you know I, when I went to the histologists at the time they didn't have bachelor's degrees a lot of them. Right. But the, but the field was changing so mm. you know I had a degree, and then I went and got the highest certification. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> and then you know so I didn't just get an MBA I got two masters so there's no way any company could turn me yeah. down in healthcare do you know what I mean that's it's like that's kind of how so has, I, has that always been a feature of your life almost yeah I think where so. you're working far ahead of everybody else in well, order to well you're, get you're trying to position. you're trying to make sure you have a competitive advantage yeah, yeah. so that's how I but my mentor taught me that yeah you know he said you know shoot for the the best education you can get go for the he always said, just go for the top get yourself ready and just you know, this, yeah. this was a white guy telling me yeah. that's what they do. Yeah. Do you understand? And so as a woman of color, did you feel, did you face any discrimination at your... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Back, back to STEM. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, because I got kind of derailed. Okay. My, once I, I finished the first two years and then I specialized in materials engineering, Yeah. that's when I started coming across um, instructors who looked at me as the only female in the class only person of color in the class and they were like what are you doing here yeah right and when you're that young and you well for me I thought and I wasn't really sure that it's what I wanted to do Mm. um it was very difficult to keep going after that so that environment didn't help me to stay either Mm -hmm. you know and so to your point I do think we need to encourage more young people we have to train we have to change how people look at this dynamic of yeah. boys and girls and are they you know can they do it or not you know all of that mm. that has to change yeah. and i think it is changing mm. but we have to encourage you know and looking on that like what advice would you give because my sister she studied mathematics at university and she was one i think she's one of very handful of girls on that course and mm-hmm. probably i think the only black girl in her course mm-hmm. and um, she said that she didn't realize it at the time but looking back she did face a bit of discrimination mm. and you know in group projects and things like that she felt kind of 
in theory and she didn't feel like looking back now maybe she could have given herself a bit of a backbone to push through that but she got discouraged quite quickly and um, what advice would you give like to women in particular young girls who are in situations like that to kind of like i i, I say try to find a mentor okay and this is where co-founding this organization of women is yes. important because part of what we want to do is it's all about mentoring yeah young this people a, a, coming a rete through family. yes okay. a rete network a rete network okay. it's about not just mentoring young pe- young young girls mm-hmm. who are you know at teenage years in secondary education but partnering experienced women in those various fields yes with young professionals young girls who who want to um, mm-hmm. go into those fields? Yes. I think it's important to find a mentor because that that companies and organizations don't have the infrastructure mm-hmm. to support. They 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 spend money on diversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They bring them in, but they don't retain them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I think we as a community need to partner these hidden figures that you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> That's why I think what you're doing is fantastic. Um. And, and for, for children, young boys and girls to see there are actually people out there like me doing these yes. things and mm. I just didn't know it. So back to the, the title of this podcast, yeah. the movie Hidden Figures. Yeah. That movie resonated so much with me because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought I was yeah. going to be an engineer and, yeah. and I was completely, you know, it, it, I was just derailed from that. Mm. Part of it maybe was it wasn't a good fit. I don't know now, yeah. but I know that I just didn't have it in me to keep pushing in that direction and so you know it was great to see that movie and to know and maybe had i known they existed yeah maybe maybe i would have felt a little bit different you know what i mean and so that's why when that movie was coming here my husband and i i said look i just want to rent out a cinema (laughs) and i'm going to have all the mentors the mentees you know invite a bunch of mentees and just open up tickets yeah and open up tickets everybody i knew said first come first serve and we came we celebrated and it was it was a beautiful night, and I thought I just said I hope that this inspires these young people, yeah, you know, to know they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to watch that with my mom and my sister, yeah. Yeah. and I think my mom teared up a bit because yeah. it's like oh it's, gosh, it's I was a mess. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, was a mess. I think it was just it was really profound because. Yeah. Funny enough, I hadn't heard of the movie before then until yeah. we went to see it at the cinema. Oh, okay. So it was like a so pleasant really surprise. Yes. Yeah, good. And good. I just thought that, like you said, I think this is why representation is so important. Because to me, I used to think like, well, is it really important? Isn't it? But I don't. I do think that tends to have an impact on you know some of the choices you make when you see if people. You can see yourself. Yes. It's you can like see it's, yourself. it's like what everyone's talking about with the Black Panther movie. Like yes. Watching, watching black just seeing black superheroes is just immediately empowering yeah. like i'm yeah. watching yeah. It, i'm just like yeah I, I, obviously it's not a real world but I just yeah. Feel, yeah i can do that <laughs> i think especially so, for the younger generation like yeah, the ones below us children, like yeah. having to see that and like yeah. see that i, think I didn't so have profound. any of that as a child yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. i was surrounded by white people who never saw anything like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's like to kind of oh you know you're 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 special you're not like all the rest and I'm like, yeah exactly you know See what I mean? So, well. so yeah, yeah, you're just you, a one-off kind of thing, right? So how did you like 
balance it all like coming from like a biracial yeah, background like spend time with because, my family yeah nurture my spirit <laughs> yeah <laughs> go see my family down south yeah you know and, did and you... south is a very different world as oh, well oh gosh right? it was so yeah, different so, really, sorry could you yeah. please explain that to me because yeah. you know this is fairly new to me and i would like to know like like how is it different in a good way bad way or is it just completely um, <laughs> different <laughs> okay well everything i mean it's rural right yeah so everything is very spread out. So, okay. You know. So where in the south was it? Just um, Kentucky. Oh, oh wow. Kentucky. Okay, yeah. Okay. And so you know, I'm going from the city. Yes. Yeah. To the country. Yeah. Yes. Literally. Yeah. And people are very country. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. And so you know, I spent my time with with cousins. You know, on the farm. You know, trying to throw rocks at snakes and yeah. feeding oh, the wow. hogs and you know, <laughs> running away from the bulls and all of that stuff and. My great grandparents lasted till they were in their nineties because, you know, they ate what they farmed yeah, they and cooked, they were yeah. quite healthy and very active. Yeah. Right. Um, but I also saw as I got older that people, black people down there, kind of knew their place. Right. The way they interacted with with white people, whereas yeah. in mm. the Northeast, uh, the, what they call the New England area, which is you know New York and yes. and Massachusetts, Connecticut, that area. New Hampshire, um, you know, it's much more progressive. And, mm -hmm. and like, I'd be like, oh, no, you know, I, I was actually much more belligerent than my cousins when I thought I saw some an injustice or something. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, you can't say that. You know, you need to just, just don't, no, don't start any trouble down here. Yeah. You know, kind yeah. of thing. And so in that sense, I mean, there was also lots of beautiful things in terms of, you know, just how the sense of community yeah. and mm. all of that um, and the traditions and things. But yeah, that... Yeah. didn't resonate well with me so i knew that yeah. i could never live there yeah because right? you feel like you can't truly be yourself or express yourself or even though yeah i could imagine being yeah 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 and you know here i am growing up you know this in suburbia and feeling on a regular basis you know i'm standing up for myself and and making sure that i'm heard and then i come down here and people are telling me i no, it just didn't work, yeah, I could <laughs> it just didn't work. so when did you move to the uk um in 2003 and how was that like the transition um <laughs> so we, we, we sold our we you know it was like an opportunity i was at a point after i was working for bristol myers squibb and did the launch and i was going to take an international rotation we were only supposed to come here for a couple of years yes. i was expecting my daughter my first oh. child and um, at that point, I had given everything I could to the company. Mm -hmm. And I was actually thinking about starting my own um, money management business, like helping people manage their personal finances. Okay. That was the idea, because yeah. I'd been doing that already, helping people do this. So so I was ready for a change, but you know, was willing to do the international rotation. And then the opportunity came up for my husband to transfer. So we said, let's do it. So I, he had to leave before me. It was like we were told in December, um, he was gone in January, between oh, wow. January and February. I packed up everything, sold <laughs> oh, the house, wow. sold the cars, done. and uh, done. Yeah. <laughs> Came here to an, a complete shock yes. of space. Yes. yes. I had all this furniture I had to put in storage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Whereabouts did you move to? If you don't Battersea. Know. Battersea, okay. Because I, I explored, we, we were in Kensington and Chelsea. That's where the company put us up for a month. Yes. We had 30 days to find a place. And so... Um, so I was just exploring 
in that vicinity and yes. I came across the the uh, the river Thames River and explored and I fell in love with Battersea Park mm. and so that's how I ended up just staying there and I didn't yes. want to be in Kensington Chelsea because all I heard was American accents I'm like why would I come all the way over here to <laughs> submerge myself yeah, you know I had enough of all that right so let me just <laughs> um so so that's how I ended up in Battersea okay. and um do you still live there? No, you've moved. No, we you? moved because um, my son transferred to a school in Wimbledon, so yeah. we decided to move there. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it was. It must we, have been. We, we, our existence very much became simplified. You mm-hmm. know, we just spent our time together as a family unit in the park on the weekends, yes. and we found a Spanish Catholic church like down the road in Boxer, which was like, oh Lord, you, you just, you know, you yeah. just meant for us to be here. You know? <laughs> Cause I, you know, you have to practice your faith in what you feel comfortable. And yeah. so I practiced yes. my faith in Spanish. Yeah. So it was, it was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Um, you know, you have to find where you, you yes. get your hair Sorry, done. So where's your husband it. from? My husband's Jamaican. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we met in graduate school actually. He's educated in the States, but he's from, he's proper Jamaican. No. Okay. Educated <laughs> in the States. So, um, yeah, so we moved and um, our existence simplified. I, I, I fell in love with London. I just, I just, I loved the historical aspect, the yeah. architecture, the hearing all of the different languages. Yeah, because London's quite multicultural. It is. I feel it's like when you step out of London, it's completely it's different, different world. world. Yeah, it is. I, I wouldn't live outside of yeah. London. <laughs> um, but what I found different mm-hmm. um you know, America likes to call it, especially like, like New York City, call itself the melting pot. <laughs> but really, it's not. Because I, one of the first things that struck me when I came here is after I had my daughter and we made friends and yes. girlfriends said, let's go out, you know, let's go out and listen to some music. And we went out and it was all R&B, hip hop music. Yeah. The crowd was completely diverse oh, yeah. and they knew all the lyrics, yeah. all the dance moves to my jams. Yeah. I was like, okay, where am I? Because yeah. in New York, yes. black people go listen to black music. Right. Latinos go listen to Latino music and rock and country is white music. Yeah. You don't yeah. mix. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was a shock. I mean, I was in shock. I thought, wow, this is what a melting pot is supposed to be. So yeah. I kind of fell in love with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that kind of helped keep us, you know, a number of things. But yeah. that was one of the things I thought, wow, I really felt like this was a true melting pot. Yeah. I feel like I, it's such a great thing growing up in London because I've learned so much about different cultures. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a beauty. Yeah. Um, but um, I keep saying um, apologies. I was going to ask something, but I think we're going to touch back to that. Do you... Well, I, I wanted to ask two questions. The first one was, you said that, like, you loved... Your first love was really music and dance. Yeah. Um, yes. And obviously, you ended up doing something completely different. Did you ever go back to it? Do you ever regret not going back? Because I know... No, I, I mean, I, music. I, I would sing in church. Yeah. So do you um, still sing? We're not going to ask really, you to sing that. Not really. Not <laughs> no. Really. Yeah. You know, at home with the kids. Yeah. Yes. You know, I've never pursued it in that regard. Yeah. I used to sing in choirs, you know, yes. before yes. coming here. Um, but, and in college, you know, when I made the decision I didn't want to be an engineer and I switched, I took like dance courses yeah. and, yeah. you know, did other stuff to kind of, um, to fill that void. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you do, you know. Um, now as a mother, I don't, I, I'm focusing yeah. more on the children really than, yeah. you know, than those kinds of things for myself. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, you just enjoy music. One, one of the things we do in our household is we play music a lot, yeah. you know, yeah. 
all of it, whether it's, you know, R&B, hip-hop, Latino, salsa, whatever, you know, classic, you know, we play it all. And we do play a lot of music, and we dance together as a family. So in that sense, you know. Yeah. You still, you still enjoy the yeah, things that just part of your that, life. that that, that, really that soothe yeah, yeah. your spirit, but yeah, I I don't pursue it outside in Got any it. other way. Yeah. And and the other question I wanted to ask was, how do you compare the kind of black experience, for want of a better term, in New York and the states compared to over here? Um, that's a good question. I found, like when I first came here you're looking at this place and it's a big melting pot and you're seeing everybody just together getting along and it's great. Now, keeping in mind, you know, we, 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 um, have children Mm -hmm. and we, we were, we are blessed to be able to put them in the best schools that we possibly can. So we've put them in, in private schools. And so that circle that I deal in deal within, um, oftentimes we are the only ones. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's when you start to see uh, the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the main differences for me is that in the States, when there is racism, it's quite overt. Yeah. Here. You never know. You it's quite never, never know. And it's, it is quite <laughs> and it's very known. subtle. Yeah. yeah. It's insidious. And, um, you never know. And yeah. you can't call it out as well because it's. Yeah. yeah because it's subtle. Yeah. You know. Y- y- yeah. So that was a big difference. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because we say it living here, yeah. but then I think it's a bit more profound coming from somebody who's moved over here. Yeah. yeah. Because it is subtle. Like, it, it, and I do not speak of every Brit, but I, I think witnessing Brits do not like to be um, looked at as being ignorant racist, but even though it they is know. quite they're, prevalent know, in certain cases. This is a very tolerant society yes. here. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, very tolerant. That's the word, like tolerant. That word, tolerant. <laughs> but, um, and like, yeah, could you know. give examples of like, su- like subtle experiences where you felt, you know, like they not feeling like you belonged or, you know, that sort of. Where someone's t- done something. Yeah, racist, but, but I don't know. Being racist, if that you can give a very broad example. It doesn't oh have to gosh. be. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of directed at me mm. personally. Yeah. Not um, so much. Not so much. Yeah. But I'm also not the type of person that's passive. Yeah. Mm. Have I seen it to other people of color? Yes. Okay. Um, a subtle thing because you know when you when you're when you're a mother and you're focusing on very young children mm-hmm. a lot of your world is the school world the school yes. run and, yes. and the parents hanging around the entrance yeah. and all of that stuff right yeah for, for that period of time so for example another little boy of color joined the school yeah and his parents he's a mixed race boy and his parents allowed him to have long hair yeah um and so anytime there was nits in the year group Always yeah, assumed it was, assumed him. It was yeah. him, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So you know I had to call that out. Right? Yeah. But it's just things like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I have to really think about it. it's just yeah. the little things like yeah. that, you know. I think like you said, a lot of the time, unfortunately, some people are quite ignorant, but it's based on what they perceive about Yeah, I'm sure he's just yeah. flicking that hair everywhere is what they yeah. It'd be like, Excuse me, but I think you've got the wrong child. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually this child. Yeah. And he's got an infestation. So yeah. go have a look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah look, he's scratching his head. Right, right <laughs> on the, you know, on the football field yeah. right now. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. But um yeah, it is quite 
it, it's very subtle. Whereas if a person is racist in the States, you know it. Yeah. You know. Interesting. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because well, at least you know where you stand. Yeah, I think, I think like, I can say certainly when I was growing up, like when I was a child, there were particular hotspots in London where mm-hmm. I knew there were racist people and they'd yeah. say it to your face. Um, and I actually got moved out of my primary school now that I remember it because my first primary school because they were racist there as well. Um, but as I've got older, um, particularly in secondary school, so the secondary school I went to, mm-hmm. I went to grammar school. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the few black people in mm-hmm. my school, let alone my year. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for example, like the teachers used to follow us around. Yeah. Um, they called us a gang. We weren't yeah. allowed to hang around with the other black kids. Just yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But no one ever turns around and says, no, says no, anything that's racist. That's what I mean, it's subtle. But it's like, and, bec- and I that- think it's worse because when... You know, a lot of people are happy that Donald Trump is president. Or I've, or rather, let me put it this way. I've heard a lot of black people say that they kind of prefer having a Donald Trump as a president than a George Bush, for example, because Donald Trump is a racist and you can call it out. When it's a George Bush or when it's other presidents in, in, in more recent times, it's kind of like... It's, it's subtle. It's, yeah, it's subtle. So you can't really pinpoint, pinpoint it and say this is the issue. But when it, when it comes to Donald Trump, because he's so overtly... Trump yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's hard not to or it's very easy to kind of say you can point it out and you can try and deal with something head on but the problem mm-hmm. is when when things are kind of hidden mm. um it's so much harder to you know if you turn around it's so, so, like the example I gave from my school if I turn around and call them racist first thing they'll say is that they're not and they'll give me all the reasons why they're not mm-hmm. and then when I say you are I can't really point to anything overt because no one's turned around and called me the n-word or mm-hmm. no one's turned around and Right. And so it's it's almost harder to tackle because, you know, Americans constantly talk. I, I follow a lot of American media, and race is a big thing, and I think mm-hmm. almost to, to a bad extent, but nevertheless, it's a mm. big thing. But you can at least have the conversation. Whereas right. here, I think the conversation is just not had because people kind of pretend it doesn't happen, and people who are being racist don't even realize what they're doing is racism because yeah. it's so subtle and just ingrained in well, the culture. Well, and it comes back to, you know, what we were talking about before, ignorance, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? I think what I find is that, you know, now having children here who are growing up in this system, mm-hmm. in this educational system, um, I've had to make sure that I teach my children um, American history yeah. and how it connects. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you don't really learn that much about slavery here mm. and, Ooh, you don't. and and how it impacted things and um and i think it was a book by andrew levy where she talks about the caribbean is really um the uk's south oh yeah 100%. it's just that it's yeah. over there it's just, it's just mm. across so the world, yeah. you know it's always been defined as the american peculiar institution mm. Mm. and yes it was you know there on but who who profited from yeah, exactly. the commonwealth yeah. and, and, and the connection like of yeah. all of that yeah. back in, in time and so important for the children to know how it all is related and connected and and, and so that they are grounded in in their history but mm-hmm. i think back to education if people here and we have the same problem in the states because our education over there you know as black people you it's like you go to college and you actually educate yourself and you read you yes. know james baldwin and you read all these other you know literature and and black history um because it's not taught in school, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so if more and more uh, schools taught these things, you know, these things, the actual history and the contributions and the role that they were, that black people played, mm. um, it would change those perceptions, mm-hmm. right? 
Definitely. And the same with, you know, the kids I grew up with. I, I For some of them, I just realized they were just ignorant. They had no idea. And yeah. they were just curious. And so I would talk to them. As long as they're respectful, yeah. I would just talk to them, right? Yeah. But, you know, the ignorance, you're never going to change. Yeah. For some, for the, the overt, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're taught by their parents to be yeah. that way. So it's difficult to change them. But the curious ones true. that care and they're interested. Yeah. Um, but it's about education, I think. Yeah. I always yeah. say that I think it's the most, most, most important thing. Yeah. And, you know, educating yourself and learning to understand. I think understanding is one of the things that people fail to actually practice mm. when it comes to different backgrounds and yeah. dynamics. I understand that some people have a different viewpoint to you, but how can you respectfully put it on the table, yeah. but also not judge, just... Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I mean, um, I think you touched on a point briefly about Amara. Is it Amara Lenegra? Yeah, Amara I don't Lenegra. know much about her in that mm. aspect. Oh, but um, have you heard of her? Oh, so th there was an interview recently um, of a. Um, she's, she's an Afro Latina. Yeah, she's Latina. Afro Latina. So mm -hmm. she's from she's from Dominican Republic. Okay. Um, and she did an interview on a New York radio station called The Breakfast Club, and um, basically talking about the Latin world and how there's a lot of racism towards black people there mm. um, that the American world's not aware of. And she was saying, like, whenever she goes for acting roles and so on and so mm. forth, that it's almost... It's, it, she's not considered or, or, or the roles that they give her as, as a slave or whatever. And um, the, um, the radio host actually turned around quite ignorantly and said, are you sure that's not all in your head? Um, and... I, I kind of just because I hadn't met you before, I kind of mm. wanted to get your perspective on that as well. Just as someone who's, um, well, I guess you're half African American, and half mm -hmm. um, Puerto Rican, but I guess if you don't mind, could you touch on what well, she was talking about? Uh, I mean, I don't, I have no experience in the mm. in the entertainment world, but yeah. I do think that you know, with with actresses like you know Viola Davis and. Mm. And Lupita Nyong'o, yeah. you know, it, it's changing, yeah. you know, people like women of color of all hues yeah. are getting more and more. So it yeah. is changing and it is yeah. improving, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, whether it's in the Dominican Republic, whether it's in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, like Dominican Republic has a, a whole, it's, we, we have the whole range of race, right? Because yes. we are a mixture of European yes. Spaniards, the native uh Taino Indians yeah. Yeah. and African slaves. Mm. Yeah. And so we're everything there. Yeah. And so you will find there like anywhere else because of colonialism yeah. the concept of what is, you know, superior. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it, it kind of mm -hmm. it kind of has it's played it's played out everywhere, it's right? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether it's within the same country, you know, there you know, your fellow Puerto Rican, your fellow Dominican, you know, that's improving over time as well. Mm. But yeah. yes, did it exist, mm. right? Within that, within the country? Of course it did. Yeah. Yeah. Because where did we get it, it from, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that she's saying that. And yeah. I'm sure she's, that she's saying that's, that's her experience. experience. Yeah. I'm sure it has been that. And it's just, she has, you know, it's just taking time for, for these things to change. I think as we see these successes and as we, we see, you know, people willing to invest and to create yeah. movies like what we're enjoying yeah. now, yeah. It'll change. Yeah. yeah. You know, I am hopeful it'll change. I do feel like, I think it's really interesting because um, there's another lady, um, girl I know, she's also a blogger. Her name is Monica Star Muse and she's a Latina uh -huh. um, blogger, but she's a, an Afro-Latina. Uh -huh. And um, she always speaks about, you know, the Afro-Latina world. And for a lot of us, 
we weren't aware of that you know mm-hmm. we always saw like latinas in a certain light and um it was really interesting hearing about that mm-hmm. and just seeing like of course it's not just like it's a very broad and very diverse place but yeah ignorantly for us yeah. because we, we don't really we don't really know we just see like everyone automatically is an african-american or is black or yeah. but then it's more so it's more nuanced yeah yeah, yeah. There are more nuances, but you know it's yeah. also again looking at the country and the history yeah that over anybody who based on thomas jefferson's definition of what black is yeah anybody who has mm-hmm. that drop of blood in them yeah you know they've always been considered black yeah, yeah. right and anybody who spoke spanish they were all considered Mexicans. Yeah. Right. You know, my yeah. family was called Mexican coming right. from Puerto Rico because yeah. they just have no Very idea, yeah. right? Um, and so, you know, they don't understand mm-hmm. and they didn't understand that there are differences yeah. <laughs> between all these people. Yes. You know, and I think... And it is changing also and it's our job to communicate and, mm-hmm. and, and, and to stand up for it and say, no, we aren't a homogenous group of people, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. My experience is very different from yes, yours. Yeah. Right? And I do think what's so fun is that because everybody thinks everybody's the same, like a Dominica is very different to Puerto Rico. That's you right. might have some common similarities, yeah. but it's very different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same way. Cuba's different yes. from Puerto Rico, yeah. even though we yes. speak Spanish. Like you the have dialect is different. Very you know? different. Like yeah. Jamaica is different from Trinidad, which yeah. is different yeah. from Barbados, which yeah. is from Bahamas. Yeah. Well, same as African countries are different. Yeah, yeah very exactly. different. Right? different. But I think in general, people just like to group everybody together and be like, you're all the same. It makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it's easy. Yeah. It helps simplify things. But I do brain, think, I yeah, I do think it breeds the ground for ignorance, you know, yeah, and I think it's really important that, you know, we do more to kind of combat that. Yeah. But my focus more so now is like the media. Like you talked about having a goal mm-hmm. in mind. And I always thought, you know what? I never really thought about it, but I just, if I could in my lifetime, I would love to own like a, I don't know whether it's a, a media platform i don't know but somewhere where it can offer a sort of like true representation of different backgrounds you know mm-hmm. and i don't feel like it's i think we're getting there but i don't feel like we're fully there yet and um, i do think it's really important because you know like discovering different cultures and just understand that people are different and celebrate those mm-hmm. differences rather yeah. than pitch each other again to try and you know package it in a way just to be easily digestible by other groups but yeah um so i I wanted to ask a question going back to your career um so you obviously started your job as a histologist right um how did you go from that to becoming an angel investor like it's a completely different job well um so as while i was in school to finish my undergraduate degree yeah i was working in histology Mm -hmm. um so i got a full-time job in a histology lab and a weekend job in, a, in another laboratory at another hospital doing the night shift managing the information systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding work that was relevant to what I wanted to do, first yes. and foremost, that used the skills that I had you know, developed mm-hmm. and the knowledge that I had at that point. Um, so sticking with that and at the same time um, preparing myself to be able to go to business school. And so understanding what is required to get in, Mm. making sure that I'm fulfilling, ticking all the boxes, making sure that, you know, that I get management experience and, you know, the education, the grades, this, you know, Mm -hmm. so you you have a plan, 
what does it take to get that yeah and 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 working towards it and so i um i made sure by by getting the certification that i was telling you about earlier then that put me in a position to be qualified to take that management role that mm -hmm. was you know back home in rochester new york mm -hmm. and so um i needed that to be able to get to business school so i ended that's how i ended up in school so then I thought, okay, I really want solid business experience, yeah. so let me go work in a corporate environment, mm -hmm. right? Because how I, was that working in a corporate environment? Um, I because I worked in healthcare, which is a very service-oriented yeah um, sector. role yeah. sector. Um, I thought healthcare really needed people that understood that had better um, business understanding and yes. how to manage a business properly yeah and so for me I said I, that's why I said I want to go into a corporate environment but I need yeah. to be in something related again so yes. that's how I ended up in pharmaceuticals I was going to do either consulting healthcare consulting or pharmaceuticals and I did both actually but um what I stayed in the longest was 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 the pharmaceuticals so I started in the company because pharmaceutical companies have the research and de development aspect of it which they're looking at um compounds that could potentially become um viable drugs that they mm -hmm. can bring to market because yeah. mm -hmm. they're always looking at these compounds and creating mm -hmm. and investing in biotech companies or bringing them on yeah. or buying them up and they're researching and and looking at the market potential so i started there i wanted to get the full experience mm -hmm. so i started there um and and analyzing markets and so forth and learning more about marketing from that perspective and then um moved because of my experience and my credentials, I was able to go immediately on the top brand in the company right. and became responsible for managing the budget for, for the brand also. So, um, you know, so you, you, you're planning, you're working towards, you're setting goals. And, yeah. You know, um, so did that. And then the time came to move here. Mm -hmm. Um as I said, I w at that time I was thinking I was going to do take an international rotation, and then, yeah. um, and I was already thinking about starting my own thing, um, because I put in so much time. I was working fourteen hour days, wow. uh, so six hard. months pregnant, taking a train, forty five minute train ride, yeah. uh, had to travel to do that. Th I was talking yeah. to you, the launch uh, for the for the new indication, and and to d to do the whole uh, launch to three thousand sales reps, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a lot of work, and I realized that after all of that, the top people walked away with the lion's share yeah, of they just get richer of the money. when you're a blockbuster brand, you're the brand that's bringing in billions for the company mm. and yeah. paying for all the R and D of yeah. all yes. of the possible compounds in all of the medical yes. indications, right? So you're the, that's what they put their money in when it terms to in terms of marketing because that's the that's the brand that's keeping the company yeah. going, company, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah, so after all that and launching a new indication, and I got pittance for a bonus after all of that work, mm -hmm. and the top guy who had actually, at the time, he had made some bad decisions and got the company caught up in a lawsuit, he still walked away with millions yeah. and shares. Yeah. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm tired of making other people rich. Yeah, yeah. and putting yourself <laughs> through that much strain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, there's sacrifice that goes yeah. along with that that yeah. you know, I won't get into here. But mm -hmm. it was, so I, that's how I ended up. I came here, had my daughter. I'm like, you know, I'm in a foreign place. I don't have family here. I don't want anybody raising my children. Mm -hmm. um, so then I started management consulting business. 
focusing on small businesses here. And, and then um, I just ended up working with charities through people I knew and volunteering my time, yeah. uh, helping charities, you know, get better organized and manage better and improve their, their, their um, relationships with mm-hmm. whether in the community and so forth. Um, so then I started just, you know, cause I was, you know, focusing on the children and so forth. And then I decided, you know what, instead of working and most of that money going to pay for childcare, yes. let me take what I have built so far yeah. and actually focus on that mm-hmm. and building my wealth mm-hmm. and, um, planning for our future as a family. And so that's how I ended up. And, 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 and my husband's friends who were also in the same industry and friends of mine, like-minded people, like I said, said, you know, because I decided I wasn't going back to corporate, I said, okay, well, I can manage it. Mm-hmm. Mm. We'll work together. And so then we started looking for opportunities and things like that. So I started doing that, doing the, the business consulting because I just wanted to keep my, skil- my skills honed. Yes, yeah. um, and then I realized, you know, it's too much of a headache. People don't really want to listen and change. So <laughs> let me just volunteer my time for charities because yeah. I find it much more rewarding okay, and, yeah. um, and just keep doing what I'm doing. Okay. So that's that's how it actually started. I, I mean, yeah. And so I I know from the profile you sent beforehand that yeah. um the company the 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 angel investment yeah. vehicle I don't yeah. know what to call yeah. it mm-hmm. um you invest in Brazil across the yeah Caribbean. so some of the real estate is across you know Brazil Bahamas Florida New York okay. um and then we also invest in like I said I I I invest in things that I can understand yeah okay. so that's why I, focus I was going to ask biotech. how do you go about yeah. like knowing I focus what's on biotech in. okay um or if another teammate is you know specializes in another area and an opportunity comes somebody has to know and understand the opportunity for mm-hmm. us to decide that mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. even look at it right? okay um first and foremost so you know, the opportunities come up all the time through word of mouth. People mm-hmm. say, you know, this is, it's, uh, you know, it's always happening. You know, someone said, oh, there's this healthcare, there's this healthcare um, center that's up for sale over here. Are you mm-hmm. interested? And yeah, sure, I'll take a look at it mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's yeah. just, you know, people by word of mouth opportunities are presented to you all the time and you have to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Is it something you can, you know, you can understand? Mm-hmm. Do your due diligence, get a lawyer involved if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, crunch the numbers, look at the people behind it. Um, are they risk worthy? You know, all these things mm-hmm. and you decide if you have three opportunities and you, you assess all of them, you, mm-hmm. you know, you maybe you prioritize and decide, okay, we only want to do one or, you know, it just depends on, but you're looking at the full package, package, doing your due diligence and analyzing things and seeing the potential mm. and also looking at the people involved. Okay. Are they worth it? And are you um, willing to take the risk on them? I should say. Yeah. yeah. And um, something that's interesting is that I've had this conversation with my friends a lot in terms of like building wealth in the black community. Like when you look at um, other communities, it's quite common for people to get together within the community, pull wealth, and right. and build, buy things, buy buy office buildings, buy whatever. Yeah. What, what was that a kind of conscious effort by yes. you and your friends to sort of say let's as a com- I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's within the black community, but I might be wrong. Yeah, no. But let's is. pull our wealth together and yeah. invest. And w- w- was it intentionally like? Because I, I guess when I read it initially, I thought that it was in, uh, intentionally you're kind of investing in the or it's the diaspora investing back in the community because you, yes. you mentioned 
you've mentioned Brazil and you've mentioned looking at the opportunities it, for growth for yeah. w- yes definitely and uh, um back to this building your wealth in the black community you know it first starts with which is again it's another arm of of the network a rete network is mm-hmm. I, I i really think it's important for young people to understand mm-hmm. what it means to be financially fit mm-hmm. and i learned that from my mentor this is a man who was a vice president of a Fortune 500 company who who drove a sh- uh, a Chevy Chevrolet. Yeah. I don't know if you know it, but it's a tiny little car. Okay. Uh, you know, like a like a little mini. Yeah. Okay. To and he kept it for years until his foot went through the floor of the car. <laughs> That's what this man <laughs> yeah. drove to work yeah. every day. He did not get a a Mercedes. Yeah. He did not get, you know, all these other cars that people, like, yeah. you know, he, he didn't spend his money like that. Yeah. yeah. And I learned from him, you know, what do, in that environment, how do people build their wealth yeah. and, and manage their money? So I learned from him um, from a young age. So, and it's not part of our educational process. No, is no. It? So people sometimes figure it out. And, and a lot of people don't know. I right? think it's really interesting because even at this age, age of 24, I'm suddenly realizing how important it is to be like financially aware yeah. and known how to live within your means. That's right. And I think, like you said, you, you don't get taught that in school. No. Because if don't. you did, you might be a bit savvy and there wouldn't be any debt and there wouldn't be anything. And, you know, not going into that much. But um, but yeah, I do think it's important. And um, I mean, I don't know. So it, we have to educate people. Yeah. Definitely. And, and yeah, what does that mean? Right. And how do you find, like you said, getting a mentor, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean. You know, so what did what did he teach me? He taught me, you know, it's like you said, it's living within your means. How do you manage your cash flows? Making sure that, um, you know, when you're in the States as a young person in college, all of a sudden you get all these credit cards yes. sent to you, right? <laughs> and if you're not smart, you start thinking, ooh, free money, I can do this, and I can go out, and I can do, and you run up all this debt, mm-hmm. and then your credit, you know, history right. goes down yeah. the tubes. Your, yes. Your credit rating is abysmal. Yes. And by the time you're ready to actually buy whatever your first property or whatever or get a loan for anything, you can't. Yes. Or you're going to get a ridiculous interest rate. Yeah. yeah. So it's about teaching people how to manage their money day to day. Mm-hmm. Getting the right discipline in order so that when you are, if you are broke when you're earning 100 a week you, and you don't learn discipline, when you're earning 10000 a week. Yeah. Uh, just just figure yeah, just numbers, you're yeah. still going to be broke mm-hmm. yeah right yeah mm-hmm. if you don't learn so how to manage it yeah. you know right you have to learn to manage it K- get rid of your debt put money aside every paycheck mm. and save money so that when you're ready to invest and get take it to the next level or invest in your own business idea yeah. you're ready and your 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 credit rating is high enough because when i'm looking at somebody who says would you be willing to invest in my business yeah so I was going to ask yeah. that question. How yeah. do you decide right. um, so who this, to invest this in? This is a segue. Like if it's, a, if it's an individual business idea, um, I'm looking at, you know, a lot of people have great ideas. Yes. So one, is the person risk worthy? Mm. Have they gotten their act together? Are they investing their own money in, in, in this endeavor? Like do they have any skin in the game? Have they been yeah. able to be financially disciplined enough personally? Yeah. Because if they haven't, then what's going to tell me they're going to do that when they have a business? Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah. So financially fit, save their money, got some skin in the game. Yeah. And, and, and the people, are they, are they the right people involved to actually 
make the make the business idea successful to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. see it to you know um, do they have the skill set to yeah. actually deliver what they're saying yes right? um, so it's a number of things and uh, some of it too is the you sometimes have to go with your gut feeling as well, yeah. the connection with the person and so forth. Yeah. Do you really believe, you know, in what they're saying and, and their passion and so forth? So yes. It's a, you know, you, but I think for every young person, you know, you really need to work on making sure you're financially fit so that you can then, when you're ready, you move to the next level. And if you don't mind me asking quite mm-hmm. a bit of a personal question, or not personal to you, but yeah. personal question anyway, and feel free to say no if you don't okay. want to answer the question. But... um do you mind telling us as in the audience of millennials what might be maybe the biggest amount of money you've invested in a company as in as a group or alternatively yeah. what's the biggest you've made from a company because i think sometimes we hear about these things but they're yeah. not they're not tangible to us they're not practical well you know us. at angel investor i haven't done you know up to 500 but you know mm. i i have been a team of people who have invested collectively 750,000 into oh, something yeah. right um you 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 invest your money you make money you build and you don't spend more than you earn yeah. so it's mm. back to money management <laughs> it is yeah. it's it's a basic tool yeah. that you need it's yeah. like you know reading and writing and yes. managing your money and how yeah. to you know you you really need to and, and you'll get there and and as a as a community if we can educate ourselves to be better to be more financially fit yeah. then collectively together we can do other things yes mm. right and and really that's what it boils down to it you know mm. what we see is as part of the network so mm-hmm. financial empowerment is one of the things that we want to work on yeah as a group of women coming together educating I us and then we deliver that to the community i think yeah. that's so important 100 percent. Um, and along those lines um i wanted to ask um because you spoke about the arete foundation um Network, network mm-hmm. sorry um but i do also know that you were part of a sorority yeah um if you don't mind could you could you tell us one what a sorority is because we don't really have yeah. those over here and okay. two how that what what is done for you and three how that's developed into okay. what you're now trying to do so in the states my sorority was founded in 1913 um and it's a sisterhood of of women of color college educated in you know women in college um, you join the sorority, you can join the sorority in college or you can join it even after college and you're, you're a professional mm-hmm. or in graduate school. So I joined in college and it's about having women to support each other yeah. and you tap into the resource of the graduate women locally who yes. have their chapter, professional women who can okay. then mentor you. But it's also about community service. Right. It's about, so from a young, you know, early on, you join an organization because oftentimes you know, when I went to when the, the engineering school I went to, there were 4,000 students and 400 of them were children were students of color. Mm. Um, One in 10. Yeah. And so, you know, these organizations, you know, it's, 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 it, it, it was like your home away from home. We had, you know, a black business house mm-hmm. or a black student's house that we all hung out at. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was your community there. Mm-hmm. And you join these organizations as a sense of community, but also as a sense of, you know, giving back to the community as we're educating and planning for our future. Right. And um, so being living here for 14 years and getting to know women and seeing all these fantastic women and realizing so many people are doing so many things and sometimes doing stuff in the same same field, yeah. same, fi- <coughs> same field or, same. or events of the same night. Yeah. Um, just like, boy, you know, 
wouldn't it be nice if they were if there were if there was more of a connection mm-hmm. and and more of you know this fellowship of women coming together and mm-hmm. organizing better yes. that's what that's what the sorority did for us over there there's several yeah. different sororities and several different fraternities actually yeah. over mm-hmm. there um, but you're you're organized you have a network that you tap into and you're also working together as a community collectively, collectively. Mm. yeah and and so that's where you know the concept i missed having that i, I yeah. still am a member and i when i'm there i go to things but i can't be there delivering the programs and stuff because yeah. i'm here yeah. and so i miss that that's always been a part of my life since i was you know in my in in my 20s mm-hmm. um so yeah and sororities is not would we consider that equivalent to like i don't know acs or yeah, something like, like that here uni. unis i was i was president of my african <coughs> society yeah um at uni and um it, it, it's not but it's so mixed it's gender it's mixed yeah it's, it's mixed not, and it's also yeah. not it's not as formal in terms of like yeah. for example now because of the network i've got from my like to be honest you're here because of my acs network because uh-huh. i knew someone who knew someone who knew yeah. someone uh-huh. um so we can still kind of tap into that but we don't really have like the infrastructure the same way it sounds like a sorority might have like we don't for example we don't have events still for former alumni from the acs to come mm-hmm. to or anything mm-hmm. like that so um we kind of have a bit of it but like i said it, it's not really got that infrastructure there's mm-hmm. no one kind of managing it it's more yeah. just you made friendships when you were young mm-hmm. and if, if 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 you are good at keeping them up then, right. then you do but if yeah. not then it kind of just no this is formal there's there's regular you know you have monthly chapter meetings programs okay, yeah. it's kind of what we're trying to do with the rete I'm, okay. I'm actually, yes. but in a way that you know it's it's still organic mm-hmm. to here in a way that works here in yes. the confines and the law of here right these yeah. are charitable organizations and so you know we we want to make sure that we that we keep in line with it being charitable mm-hmm. and charitable programs and getting support for the community yeah. through leveraging the, the professional roles that women have in various comi- companies and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, but it's, you know, those organizations were formed because we weren't allowed to be a part of anything else. Yeah. Right. right? And so, it has so sort of like a historical, a huge historical yeah, significance. That, yeah. And, um, you know, those women were brave yes. to start these organizations. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there is a, there's a historical significance and tradition involved. Yeah. And it is quite formal. And there's, you know, a, a national meeting that takes place every other year and, you know, things like that. So it's, it is quite formal. So we're trying to bring a certain, uh, it's, it's a sisterhood here, mm-hmm. bringing women together. We, we, we're focusing on, as I said, financial empowerment, uh, youth education and mentoring, promoting um, history, culture, and the arts, yes. um, and also developing leadership mm-hmm. in the community. So, that, you know, that's where mentoring young professionals and, and, and uh, comes into play and making sure there's that network where a young person in university yes. has a desire to, to be in a certain field. Yes. Let's find her someone yes. who she can connect with that can give her advice and have her help her navigate, yeah. you know, through, through that process. Because it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. I, I think that's, I feel like we don't take advantage of that as much. I mm. could probably speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't feel we take as um. I didn't take advantage of you know getting a mentor or really trying to be part of like an organization that empowers women. And but if it doesn't exist, 
That's why we're trying to create it. I, I think, think more, it, yeah. there's a demand now. I think yeah. there's a lot of buzz going on. Yeah. And a lot of people are becoming more organized now, I yes. see. Because yeah. I've been here 14 yeah. years. So when I first, I'm like, there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And now, you know, it's, slowly, it's happening, slowly. right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's not launched yet, then, I'm, I'm guessing, the network. No, yes, we've started. Oh, you started. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, I mean, we'll officially launch very soon. We have our first... Our first charitable program actually yeah. in July, okay. where um, the girls network. Mm-hmm. We are taking a hundred dis- girls from disadvantaged backgrounds yeah. of color and bringing them to a beautiful girls boarding school outside of London and providing them with a what we're calling a life changing event for the day. It's a conference mm-hmm. on leadership okay. and life skills, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have. Um, inspirational speakers yeah. and workshops for them on various topics like public speaking, mm-hmm. um, fashion trends and dressing for success, um, etiquette and nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, health and well-being, positive self-image. Mm-hmm. So, and so bringing together all of these fabulous and fantastic women yeah. to do the, volunteer their time and provide this for free Mm -hmm. and the school is providing the venue at a very discounted rate you know so it's Mm. all coming together so this is our first so we want to launch with that so that's what we're doing because that's our focus right and so we're partnering with the girls network because they have a they're very well organized and they can provide us with you know the candidates that we're looking for Mm -hmm. to be able to and it's also a way to kind of as we're launching to communicate you know these are opportunities this is where you can go to mentor young people yeah. if you have the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, we're really excited about the program. And so if anyone, like if any of our listeners wanted to find out more about yeah. it, or so, is, it, is, it, is there anything available online right now? Yes, well, we have, um, it's, it's info at aretenetwork.org. And guys, okay. it'll be in the link in the description. Yeah, we'll yeah. put it. Yeah, we'll yeah, make sure you have it. Yeah, for those listening, all yeah. the details okay. will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so um, much. But before thank we you. end, there's two <laughs> questions we like to ask, or there's two questions we want to ask all of our interviews. You're the first one. Um, <laughs> so um, the first one is, if you could go back in time. Yeah. So I'm I'm 20. I've just turned 27. Yeah. Kez is 25. So. Come 24 24 let's go for a median age of 25 if you could go back to when you were 25 what advice would you give yourself mm. or w- is there anything that you would do differently or would you are you like half like happy with where like your journey up until this point I don't, I don't think I would do anything different. differently mm. yeah and I think you know, the advice that was given to me is what mm-hmm. I would give to any 24-year-old. You yeah. Know, things that we've been talking about. Yeah. You know, making sure you, you know, you have a goal, a destination you're trying yeah. to reach. And yeah. making sure that, you know, I think health, focusing on your health. Your health is your welfare. Right? And... And when you financial. say health, do you mean like well-being or yeah. like a Taking mental, care of physical, yourself. mental, yeah. physical, mm-hmm. like educate yourself and take care of your health. Yes. And, you know, as well as as I talk about financial fitness, I mean, yeah. I think people know now to eat healthy and it, it's more and more out there. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think. There's a two. Yeah, I think yeah. it kind of leads on to the second yeah, question, second which question. was, what would you give advice to millennials? Yeah, yeah. so, you know? so obviously we've got a bunch yeah. of millennials listening to yeah. you now. So, so health, 
financial fitness, financial fitness, and you know, have a goal that you're working towards to keep exactly. you, you know, on track. And I would say a very important word mm-hmm. uh, for I think especially women mm-hmm. to learn is no, <laughs> no, mm. no. When somebody's derailing you, yeah, no. When the, you know, just being learning to say no and and you know, and it, it, and it serves you well whether it's. You know, your time is precious. Somebody's trying to talk you into, you know, spending that 50 pounds on something you know you're trying to save for your business idea. Learn to say no. Mm. I think that is so profound. I know we're finalizing. But, like, it's really refreshing to hear that from you. Because as somebody, like, with me who wants to do so many things, I remember I got asked this question recently in a job interview. Mm. And they're like, what's your weakness? And I sat there thinking, I don't have any weaknesses until I realized is that I can't say no. Yeah. I say and yes to That's why I say it more to women because I think yeah. I think young men learn from an early age, right? <laughs> At least that's what I see. Yes. I can yeah. only talk about my experience yeah. and my yeah, observations. Yeah, cool. But we tend to be more appeasing and yes. we tend to have find it difficult to say, to say no. no. And I think we have to learn to say no. Yes. And no doesn't have to be rude. Yeah, mm. it's just no, learning you know, to You know, I appreciate you inviting me, but yeah. I really need to focus on this right now. Yeah. Mm. Finding ways to say no because you yeah. you know that that's really not what you should be doing. Yeah. yeah. Right? Whatever it is. If it's something that's going to derail you financially, your goals, your health, mm-hmm. no. Yes. No. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. It's a great way to start the, p- the yes. podcast as well. Fun. So. Thank you guys um, really for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Wonderful. And, and I look forward to like reading up more about the foundation and trying to yeah, see. Yeah, we'll yeah. stay in touch for yes, sure. Yes, yeah, certainly. Like information. That's okay, great. Well, that's it. And um, everyone can look forward to. We'll be trying to release these on a weekly basis. Yes. Um. So you guys can look forward to hearing about um plenty more um hidden figures, successful people in the community, um who you've never heard of, you don't realize are role models for you, um who've got so many gems of wisdom that that you've never been able to pluck from. Um. And hopefully by by listening to these, um, we can together like empower the community and, and and get things going. So thank you very much. Thank you. And until next time.